At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World, where we'll learn to reject culture's endless stream of quick fixes for God's time-tested truth. Together, we'll rediscover age-old practices that draw us to Him, where true satisfaction awaits. Well, good morning. Great to see you here today. Now, what I want to do today is begin by talking about something that everyone, if you were a Christian, should be doing. You guys know what it might be? I got to pray. What else? Reach Bible. What else? Okay, I got to pray, I got to read your Bible. All right, read your Bible is the winner. Now, before we go any further, I want you to know that this morning my goal is not to shame you about your amount of Bible reading. My goal is not to make you like, oh, he's talking about Bible reading. I'm just going to kind of slide down in my chair a little bit. That is not my goal this morning. Instead, my goal would be that you and I could think openly and that we might be able to speak honestly about a spiritual discipline that should be life-giving. I'm guessing that some of you, when I just said, we're going to talk about Bible reading, some of you sort of felt this burden upon you. That is not the heart of what happens when we engage with God's Word. If you felt that way just a moment ago, you were not alone. The fact of the matter is that Our culture today is turning away from Bible reading at a pretty significant rate. Here's what I mean. 60% of Americans read their Bible less than five times per year. I'm going to say that again. 60% of Americans read their Bible less than five times per year. Now, some of you might say, well, wait a second, that's Americans, that's not necessarily the church. Well, let's bring it inside, let's bring it inside the church. 50% of churchgoers read their Bible occasionally or not at all. 50% of churchgoing people read the Bible occasionally or not at all. Now, some of you might say, well, wait a second, Pastor. I I hear those numbers, (laughs) but that's not me. That's not us. We are believers. We, if we are just going to be brutally honest, we worship at Woodside Bible Church. Bible is literally our middle name. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, what we're going to do today is consider some of the cultural issues that influence that. We're not going to be digging into that intentionally in a way that kind of gives voice to that, but what we're going to be doing instead is we are going to be looking at three distinct ways that you can get engaged in the Scriptures right here at this church, Woodside Bible Church. I want to highlight three specific ways. The first one is something called Our Daily Bread. How many of you are familiar with Our Daily Bread? Great. 
Each and every day, our daily bread gives us a brief biblical text, a little short story, and then a prayer. I want you to think bite-sized Bible reading that, we're, that is done consistently. That's our daily bread. It's a classic. It is a trusted resource for consistent Bible reading. And if you head out into the lobby and off to our Welcome Center, you can find our daily bread on the shelf right there for you to pick up to take home today. That's one way that we can engage in Scripture. Next is something called a Bible study guide. So I talked about the bite-sized nugget of an Our Daily Bread. This is more like a little bit of a workbook. This encourages you to go a little bit deeper into the Old Testament or the New Testament book that you might be uh, seeking to know more about. Think depth when we're talking about a Bible study guide. Now, this is what many of our life groups are participating in. When they gather, they gather for relationship, they gather for prayer, and they gather for a time of study and and reading and digging into God's Word. And this is often what they will use in that context. The third is something that many of you may remember if you've been here at White Lake for any length of time. I want you to kind of rewind back to pre-COVID. And we had something here called the Immerse uh, Bible Reading Experience. So I've talked about the bite-sized nugget. I've talked about the opportunity to go deep. This is an opportunity to read big. What I mean by reading big is I want you to think about the Bible that you would hold and take out the chapter numbers. I want you to take out the verse numbers. I want you to take out the chapter headings, and I want you to engage with the story of Scripture. That is immerse. And that's something that we are going to be kicking off here again in the fall. And I want to encourage you, (laughs) yay, Uh, that's something that I want to encourage you, not just Ginny in the back, but it is something I want to encourage all of us to be engaging with and to participate in because it is really a, a refreshing way to engage with God's Word. But there's no wrong way of what I just told you. There's our daily bread that's been going on for many, many generations. People have been using that and it has helped people to grow. Study guides, very helpful as people dig in and go deeper and immerse. These are all ways to read and to reflect and to engage in the Word of God. All three can be effective if you desire to grow in your understanding of the Scriptures. And all three of those can be accessible right here at our campus for your spiritual growth and development. And I want to encourage you to consider at least one, maybe two, the overachievers would pick three of those that you might be doing in the days ahead. Now, Some of you might say, well, that's really great, Pastor. I'm feeling the arm twisting behind me. I'm feeling this pressure about Bible reading in church. I want you to know that I hope it is more than that for every single person here. My goal this morning is not to create the space where you feel guilty about Bible reading, but what I want to challenge us with is taking Bible reading to the next level. 
I want every single person here to be able to take Bible reading to the next level. And what we're going to look at today in today's sermon is a way that I believe can truly transform your spiritual life. It has roots in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's going to take a little bit of work on your part and on my part as we turn to God's Word. Now, you might be saying, well, what is it? We're going to find out in just a minute after we pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You're the giver of life. You are the one who has drawn us here today, you have invited us here to meet and to worship you, to connect with you, to hear from you, from your word. God, many of us here come from really difficult weeks. We barely came in the doors today, and yet we're here. Others of us have been deeply ministered to by your word, by the people of God. We feel incredibly close to you wherever you find us on that spectrum today. Would you meet with us? That is our heart's cry today. As we sit here, we desire not to go through just a, uh, a religious experience for 30 minutes. God, we want to meet with you. Your word is living and active it can speak to our hearts, and so we invite your Holy Spirit to do that today. But in order for that to happen, God, we need eyes to see the truth of your word, ears to hear the truth that's on its pages, and then humble hearts, humble hearts before you. So we ask all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we are beginning a brief three-week sermon series titled Habits. Now, for those of you who are sitting here saying, wait a second, I think I saw that before. You actually did. We did a series called Habits last summer. Now, I want you to know these are not the same sermons, but it is in line with something that we feel is very, very important, and that is the spiritual disciplines. So today and each of the next two Sundays, we are going to be considering the spiritual disciplines or what we are calling in this series habits that cause us to develop and grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Habits that will deepen our faith, deepen our understanding of who God is and deepen our dependence upon Him. Habits that will help us on our journey. So we began this morning by talking about Bible reading and the spiritual discipline of that, but I also told you we're going to kick it up a notch. We're going to go one step further, and so here is what we're looking at today, the practice of Scripture meditation, Scripture meditation. I'm guessing that a couple of you at least thought, wait a second, meditation? Hold on, Pastor. Meditation sounds something Eastern. It sounds kind of like something the Hindus would practice or perhaps a Buddhist. Meditation? <laughs> Actually, meditation is native to our faith tradition. 
Meditation is a biblical practice. Meditation is something that has been done historically within the context of the Christian experience and the Christian church. It is part of our heritage. Consider the exhortation from God in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen to these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your might. And these words, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be seen as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. Church, did you hear all the actions that are listed there. This is an active, participatory way to engage with God's Word. Listen to the words that were shared there. It shall be on your heart. That's where He begins. And then we're called to teach the words. We are called to talk of the words. We are called to bind the words. We are invited to write the words, all action items. But in order for those words to penetrate our lives to this degree, God's people must, we must meditate upon God's Word. Now, I'm guessing that some of you are saying, okay, Pastor, I understand the concept of meditation. When it comes to Scripture, what are you talking about? What does that look like for us today in our culture? To meditate on the Word of God is to stop. It is to read. It is to take time to reflect on a passage of Scripture that its truth might sink into our being. That's why it's called a spiritual discipline. Because in our current culture, stopping, reading, reflecting, and listening is pretty difficult. It runs completely contrary to what is going on in our culture today. If we have five minutes of spare time, everyone is on their phone. Stop. Read. Reflect. And listen. That's how we participate in Scripture meditation. And I want you to know that Scripture meditation calls for active listening. Active listening. Here's what that means. That means I am actually listening with my phone put down. I'm not listening and reading text messages. Guys, that means we are engaged and we are listening, not watching the ball game as it's on in the background. Active listening is what Scripture meditation invites us to and what the Holy Spirit will say through the words of Scripture. So we take the Word and the Holy Spirit 
speaks to us through that word. And for the skeptics among us, I did just say that God's word speaks to God's people. I did say that. And here's why I said that. In the book of Hebrews, it says that the Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's Word is living and active through the presence of the Holy Spirit as the believer reads it. When you and I read God's Word, when we meditate on it, we are listening for what the Spirit will teach us. So, (laughs) rather than just talk about the power of it or the mechanics of Scripture meditation, we're going to do a little bit of that right now. In the Old Testament book of Psalms, we are going to hear what God has for us today. You guys ready? All right. Turn with me to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is going to give us a master class on what it means to participate in Scripture meditation. And as we're working through Psalm 19, what we're going to find are three specific ways that it impacts you and me as we come to the text. So let's begin. Psalm 19, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6, and then we'll hit the pause button. To the choir master, this is a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. King David, the author of the psalm here, spent a lot of time in nature. If you know his story, he was on the run a lot, and he spent a lot of time in nature. And as someone who was alone in nature, David had plenty of time to stop, to reflect, to listen. And as David read God's book of nature, David was confronted with one beautiful reality that I think matters for you and for me today, that nature reveals the glory of our God. Nature reveals the glory of God. Every ray of sunshine, every breath of wind, every drop of rain. The vast beauty of the great lakes and the quiet place of peace in your backyard. All of those things shout or whisper the glory of God, the glory of our Creator. 
one of my favorite things to do on a summer morning. We have a deck out back of our house, and the way it's situated is it's in the shade in the morning. And so I love to go out on our deck and grab a cup of coffee and listen. Because when I listen, what I hear is the wind moving the trees behind our house. I hear birds as they fly above the trees. And in that moment, I'm able to reflect upon the glory of God that is represented in His creation. Have you seen this glory? Have you seen it? Have you heard Him? Are you listening? Are you meditating? Let's return to the psalm, Psalm 19, once again to read how meditating on this general aspect of God's glory then becomes specific. He moves us from the general idea to something very, very specific. David shifts from meditating on creation to meditating on God's Word, also known as God's law. So let's look back at Psalm 19, pick it up at verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is a great reward. Who can discern his heirs? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. We're going to stop right there. As David describes God's law, you can tell that it is having a profound impact on him individually, on him personally. As he describes God's law, you can tell that his heart is being transformed. And David helps you and I, as we read this text, see and enter into the beauty of, as he meditates upon it because law reveals both joy and wisdom. The law reveals both joy and wisdom. Listen to the words that David used to describe that kind of foundational element of this experience. He says it's altogether perfect, the law. It's trustworthy. It's right. It's radiant. It's pure. It's firm. It's an impressive list if you think about it. Altogether perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, firm. That is a great list. This is what happens when someone stops, reads, reflects, and listens to Scripture, our heart is affirmed that it is right. This is what happens when you and I come to the text. Our heart is affirmed that this is right. Our mind becomes more pure and our faith is strengthened. We become more firm in who we are in Christ. 
because of the Word of God. See, these are the kinds of words that reveal a heart filled with joy, those things that we just looked at and that we heard from David. Joy is represented in each of those passages. It is represented as as the soul is being revived in verse 7, as the heart rejoices in verse 8. It becomes sweeter than honey in verse 10. Are you weary this morning? Just tired. Just broken down from what you see in the world, maybe what you've experienced this week personally. Are you burdened by the heaviness of light today? Then let me encourage you. Turn to Psalm 19. Read. Reflect. Listen. And you'll find some joy. But it's not just self-serving joy. It goes beyond that type of joy. God's law also gives us wisdom. It says in verse 8, it makes wise the simple. It enlightens the eyes. It warns the servant of God, and it provides a rich reward. That's in verses 8, 9, and 11. It is all there. God's law doesn't just give us specifics when it comes to, well, who should I marry or what What job should I take? It doesn't give you those types of specifics. Instead, what it does is it tells you how. How you and I are called to live day after day on our journey of faith. So there's joy and there's wisdom as we stop, as we read, as we reflect, and as we listen. You might be thinking, well, Pastor, that's really great. It's beautiful. I love all the stuff about God's Word, but where does it lead us? Where does it take me? Let's go back to the passage again. Psalm 19, we're told in verse 13. Just keep back from your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, David cries. And then, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So the psalmist has meditated on God's word. He knows his place before God of the creation. He understands the power and the beauty of the law. And this, in this moment, he breaks forth in prayer. Why would he do that? Because his heart has been renewed. He's been refreshed. You see, meditation renews our dependence upon God. When you and I stop and read and reflect and listen, God renews our dependence upon Him. You see, meditation for the psalmist and for you and me, it actually reveals what's going on in our hearts the brokenness of what we feel and what we experience. It will reveal those hidden areas of our lives that we struggle with in our our heart and in our mind that maybe no one knows. 
we just push it down and, and hide it, and yet when we meditate, those things are exposed. And what is exposed at its core is our need for God and His grace. That's what we need. That's what every single person here today, whether you are with us in person, watching online, all of us need to experience the grace of God. And so we meditate. We meditate so we find uh, a deeper sense of dependence upon God. And this is the beauty and the power of us meditating on God's Word. Because what it does is it leads us to a point where we find our deepest need and our deepest longing. We need God. We need His grace. We need forgiveness. And we need redemption. These things are found one place in Jesus, who is the Christ. It's through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection that Jesus gives flawed people like you and like me the opportunity to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to experience his grace and his mercy and his love. It is through Christ that you and I have life. And we have it abundantly. Church, that's the gospel. And our need for Jesus becomes clearer and more visible to us as we meditate upon God's word. As we stop, as we read, as we reflect, and as we listen. In his classic book, Knowing God, author J.I. Packer explains the, the powerful impact of meditation. He explains it this way. He says, we turn each truth and we learn about God into matter for meditation before Him, leading to prayer and ultimately leading to praise to God. That's where it leads us. Its purpose is to clear one's vision of God and let the truth make its full and proper impact on our mind and on our heart. That's what happens when we meditate upon Scripture. So, White Lake family, it's my hope that you will take your Bible reading to a new level this week. Whether you're engaged with our daily bread or a Bible study guide, whatever it might be, my hope is that you would take it to a new level by stopping, by reading, by reflecting, and listening to what the Word of God has for you. It's a spiritual discipline called Scripture meditation, and I hope you'll practice it. As we close, I want you to hear the words of the psalmist one more time. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Amen. Thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word together. 
We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.